unpack a Bible story that is likely very, uh, probably familiar to many of you. This Bible story is found in three of the Gospels uh, in, in the New Testament portion, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it really fits well into this series theme that we are in called Legacy. And so for our conversation today, I want you to, as we read this story, I want and invite you to really kind of look at this Bible story through the lens of how to cultivate a legacy, a life legacy that spiritually flourishes. And in this conversation, I'm going to offer you four tips that if you practice, will help you create a life uh, kind of legacy again for for just to kill that word that that has impact that is spiritually vibrant and so today we find ourselves in the gospel of Luke chapter 8 and so if you have a bible whether it's in paper like this or in digital form turn to Luke chapter 8 better we'll have the verses up here on the screen behind me once you find Luke chapter 8 skip down to verse 4 let's start to read As always, try to picture the scene in your mind. And then we're going to try to apply what we read here in this story to our daily life. But we always want to start with Scripture. This is what we're told. One day Jesus told a parable in the form, or told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. This is what he said. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell on rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When Jesus said this, he called out. Anyone who has ears or anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now church, when I read this Bible story that Jesus tells, there are four things that immediately jump off the page at me, offering us some advice for how to cultivate a legacy that is spiritually healthy. And the first thing, or the first tip, point number one in your app notes, is to be on guard against negative, dismissive people. If you want a life that is spiritually vibrant, then be on guard against negative, dismissive people. Here in Jesus' story, he paints the picture of a farmer who is planting his seed, right? And the farmer in his story is me. It's Pastor Mike Decker. And the seed that Pastor Mike is planting is the word of God, the teaching of the Bible. The field in which Pastor Mike plants his seed is you. You are the seed. It's it's your heart. As a listener, as a learner, the field, you receive this seed into your life, just like what you're doing right now, hoping that it will help you to become a better person, yes? 
a better dad, a better mom, a better husband, a better wife, right? A better boss, a better friend. And the places where we want to grow this seed is where? It's the places where we each live, right? In our neighborhood. We want to live out this seed at our workplace, at our kids' school, in our homes. But herein lies a challenge, which Jesus points to in his story. The devil, brothers and sisters, doesn't want God's word, the seed, to grow in your heart. Are you with me? The devil loves to try to stifle any kind of seed growth in our life. And one of the tools that I think this Bible story articulates, and certainly in my mind, one of the tools that the devil will use to try to trample the seed in your life are negative, dismissive people. Critical people. You know, after Jesus told his story, the disciples we are informed here, ask Jesus to give an explanation. And Jesus says here in verse 12, look at it. He said, the seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away and prevent them from believing and being saved. You know, have you ever had the unfortunate experience of encountering what I call a toxic person. You know, in my definition, toxic people are quick to criticize. Toxic people are those who really like and enjoy pointing out the flaws that they see in others. Toxic people love to trample down others. Toxic people love to push you down in an effort to what? prop themselves up. Are you with me? Have you all heard the phrase, misery loves company? Right? Basically, what that means is if I can't be happy, then neither should you be happy. And I propose, brothers and sisters, that unhappy people are spiritual seed killers. That negative, glass-half-empty people stifle spiritual growth. And so I invite you to evaluate yourself today. How do you react, for example, when you encounter someone who is super excited about what God God is doing in their life? Are you happy for them? Do you cheer them on, right? Or are you like the people in this story who trample on their seed? Now think about this, okay? Let me go a little bit deeper. Have you ever heard anybody say these words, God spoke to me today? God spoke to me today. You ever heard somebody say that? What is your internal reaction when you hear somebody say, God spoke to me today? Are you eager to hear more? Do you immediately believe that God really did speak to them today? Or... If you're really honest with yourself, do you kind of dismiss and poo-poo their statement? God doesn't really speak to you, right? Am I the only one who sometimes does that? Brothers and sisters, I propose when we dismiss people's spiritual experiences, 
that we are like the devil here in this story. We are spiritual seed tramplers. Don't be a seed trampler. If you're a follower of Jesus, I challenge you to be a seed fertilizer, right? So we're going to say several prayers together today. And the first one is this. So put put everything down or just put your palms open again in a place of receptivity. And I want you to just pray this very simple prayer with me in your heart. So if you want to close your eyes, if it helps you, you know, kind of put everything out, that's helpful. Please do that. But in your heart, just in your mind, pray this. Say, God, please help me not to be a seed trampler. Please help me not to be a seed trampler. And also, please guard my heart from negative, dismissive people. Because I want to grow. Good. Point number two. A second tip that you and I would be wise to consider as it relates to cultivating a life that spiritually flourishes involves being on guard against what I consider or are calling independent spirituality. Be on guard against independent spirituality. You know, in Jesus' story, he describes how this farmer plants plants his seed in, in shallow, rocky soil, right? Now, at first, Jesus tells us that the seed begins to grow, but then because of a lack of moisture, the seed dies. And when explaining the meaning of this seed to his disciples, Jesus says this in verse 13. Look at it. The seeds on the rocky soil, Jesus says, represent those who hear the message, like many of us today. They receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. They wilt, some of your translations may say, when the hot winds of testing blows. Anybody ever experienced a season in their life when they experienced some hot winds of testing? We all have, have we not? You know, you've likely heard me say this before, but it's worth repeating that isolation is a weapon of the devil. Isolation is a weapon of the devil. And brothers and sisters, one of the enemies that the devil uses to really kind of squelch and attack our spiritual growth is a lack of community, an absence of regular fellowship. So hear me on this. We all need support when testing comes. You do, and I do. You know, we all need people to remind us that God is still with us even when Life is hard. Are you with me? Because Jesus teaches that no moisture will do what? It'll kill the seed. Translation, desert, solitary living will stifle our spiritual growth. You know, one of the the benefits of being a part of a midweek Bible study, which many of you are a part of and are participating in, is the relationships that we develop with each other. Right? Now, both Robin and Kirk, who are leading a study here in our, in our church, they're amazing Bible 
teachers. But that's not the only benefit of going to these studies. It's the relationships that we develop with each other. It's the ability to talk about what God is doing in our life or the, 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 the desert storms that might be blowing our way. It's the ability for me to lean on you and for you to lean on me, right? Why? Because when the devil attacks... When the wheels fall off in our life, not only will the promises of Scripture kind of hold us up, but so too will our midweek Bible study friends. Would you say amen to that? Amen. You know, Friends, be on your guard against independent spirituality. So ponder this. Who are the people who you lean on when you're feeling discouraged? Who are the people who you lean on or can lean on when you're facing maybe some testing? Jesus warns us that no moisture will kill, right? It'll kill the seed that God plants in our heart. So let's say another prayer, okay? So put your palms out, open. Heart open, mind open, in your heart, in your mind, pray this prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, please use me to be moisture in someone else's life. Please use me to be moisture in someone else's life. And then, God, please protect me from isolated living. God, please protect me from isolated living. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay? Point number three. A third element that Jesus warns us to be on guard against here in this story that he tells us as it relates to cultivating a life that spiritually flourishes involves guarding against the consequences of a double life. Be on guard against the consequences of a double life. Jesus explains this truth in verse 14. Look at it. He says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, of the four seeds here in Jesus' story, this third seed is the one that I identify personally with the most. One foot in the Bible and one foot in the world, right? You know, church, when you evaluate the priorities of your own life, what are those things that compete with God? What are those things that really press in on, on what God might want to do in your life. Do you know? Are you alert to them? You know, one of the easiest ways, and we've talked about this a lot uh, around here, to determine you know, what your priorities are in your life or what's important to you in your life is to, how to, is to look at how do you spend your money and how do you use your time, right? So think about today, for example. Right now, you are here and you are gathered in this place physically. And for those of you tuning online, you are giving an hour, basically, of your day, maybe of your week, for some of you, to 
to God, a pursuit of, of God. You're opening the Bible. You are planting God's seed in, in your heart, right? You're saying a prayer or two. But then we have to walk out of this auditorium, don't we? Or we turn off that digital device for those of you tuning into this podcast. And then what happens? How do you spend the rest of your day, right? How do you, how do you, to what things will you give your time and money to? So let's talk about today, for example. Some of you today, once you leave this place and you navigate the marathon, you know, traffic. Thank you, honey. I'm already stressed out by the thought of it. (laughs) Some of you might go out for lunch, right? You'll treat your family, your friends, maybe to a, a bite to eat. Here's a question for you. Will you spend more on your lunch than you placed in the offering plate? Just asking. Will you financially tip your server more than you give to God? Something to evaluate. How we use and direct God's money impacts our spiritual health. Just be aware of that. Some of you will spend the rest of your afternoon watching Netflix or maybe some sporting event on TV like the Boston Celtics. God, I love those Celtics. How many Celtics fans are in the house today? Just me? You know, others of you might go for a bike ride or for a walk. Awesome something to do. Some of you may go home and spend some time tracking your investments, trying to get your financial house in order. And all of these things, just understand, compete, right, with God in our life. They represent what Jesus calls here the rocky places. Which is why I say that's the tension that I most identify with. One foot in the Bible, and yet one foot also in the world. You know, the Apostle Paul, one of the early missionaries in the Bible, wrote a letter to the Christians who were living in the region of Galatia. And in Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, or rather 7 and 8, he writes these words. Let me read them for you. He says, You will always harvest what you plant. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from that Spirit. You know, Jesus once preached as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says that where your treasure is, what's going to follow? Your heart's going to follow, Right? Whatever I focus on, I will become. My attitude determines my altitude. You know, so much of Scripture, there's a passage in Scripture that says spiritual maturity really begins in your mind. Because how you think about yourself and how you think about God's love for you is going to determine how you live out your life. Your mind is going to influence your spiritual trajectory. My priorities influence my fruitfulness. And so what Jesus is preaching here in his story of the seeds is for all of us to be on our guard against the consequences of living a double life. Who we spend time with, the things that we pursue will impact our spiritual fruitfulness. And so one of the 
legacy questions that I invite you to ponder this week is what is crowding God out in your life? What is crowding God out of your life? You know, what are the things of this world that are competing for your attention? And they could be really good things. Like, I love to ride my motorcycle, as most of you know. And, and by the way, I'll get home sooner today than most of you because I rode my motorcycle, and so I'll just be lane splitting all the way home. So don't hate on the haters or the motorcycle riders. But the point is, I have to recognize that I can spend a lot of time on my bike, but does it compete with my time with the Lord? Positive, but also a competition. So what are, for you, what is it that's crowding God out in your life? Okay, so let's pray another prayer. Okay, so put your hands open. We're here to, for God to touch us and impact us and grow us. So in your heart right now, just say, Heavenly Father, please help me to pursue you. God, today, in this moment... I am pursuing you. So grow me and transform me because I want my life and my legacy to be spiritually fruitful. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Good. All right, let's land the plane. And then we're going to jump in. We'll close the service down here. Cultivating a life and legacy that flourishes is not void of risk. Jesus warns us to be on guard against negative, dismissive people. Jesus warns us to be on guard against independent spirituality. We need to be on guard against the consequences of a double life. And then point number four, tip number four, we must daily, with tremendous intentionality, pursue fruitfulness. Daily pursue fruitfulness. And the way that we do that, letter A in your notes, is we ask God to grow us, right? Just every day, say, God, please grow me. And then letter B, ask God to surround you with positive people. Ask God to bring into your life positive, glass half full, attitude thinking kind of people. You know, Jesus preached in verse 15, look at it. He said, the seed that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Why did Jesus have to use that word patient? They patiently pursue a huge harvest. Show of hands, how many of you want to live a life that produces a huge harvest? Yeah, me too. Which is why we're here, right? Which is why we're in, engaging with each other. You know, you've learned by now, have you not, that who you associate with will influence your growth ceiling? You know, friends, my goal as a pastor really is to help you and equip you and to coach you and to try to motivate you, right? To push you towards pursuing daily fruitfulness. 
And my hope is, is that you will do the same thing for me, that you will help me and push me and coach me and, and give me advice as to how I can become more fruitful. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote, he continued to write to these Galatian Christians in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, let's not get tired of doing what's good because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. It doesn't say we might reap a blessing of harvest. It says he will. But the challenge is harvest is not automatic, is it? We need God's help, which is why we're here today, yes? Which is why we're tuning in today, yes? Why? Because spiritual intentionality is necessary for spiritual flourishing. And so let's say another prayer together, okay? Put your palms out. Open your heart, open your mind, and simply pray this in to the Lord. Say, God, I want my life to spiritually flourish. I want my life to be healthy. So God, please grow me. I'm asking you today to grow me. And God, please continue to bring into my life and surround me with positive people. People who don't just put up with my stuff, but they will challenge me to get better and to stronger. Lord, help me to have people in my world who will help you shape me become the person that you want me to be. This is my prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters, I want my life to reap a hundredfold. Do you? We all do, do we not? You know, one of the reasons why we celebrate communion every month, you know, Joe and Lisa or Rick and, and Nancy will often prepare the elements for us, which they're here today, is it, communion is something that Jesus set up for his disciples and said, you know, it, it's really a chance for us to have a spiritual reset. It's a monthly time on our calendar to reflect on the truth that Jesus loves us and he forgives us. But we got to ask for forgiveness. Right? Jesus is pursuing us, but it's a two-way street, right? We want to pursue him too. And so as Joe and Lisa, if you would get up and if you'd go to the back, and, and as they're at the back with the elements, the, the, the cracker will represent kind of the life that Jesus lived, how he loved people and, and you know, reached out for those people who were sort of the disenfranchised and yet hungry. And then the, the cup represents the blood that he shed that, that was necessary to forgive your sins and mine. As you take the elements, as you go to the back and as you sit down in your chair, I would encourage you to just hold those elements and do two things. Say, Jesus, I continue to invite you to forgive me. And if there's something that happened this past week or this last month that you have feeling kind of bad about, just say, God, please forgive me for that. And please just remove it from my thinking. Please forgive me. Please restore me. Please renew me. And please help me to put it behind me. Right? That's what the blood of Christ does for us. And then I would just ask, invite you to, to pray. Say, God, can, as we have been already, God, can, please continue to grow me. Empower me 
and use me. God, please produce a harvest in my life that produces a 100-fold bounty. Everybody with me on that? So go to the back. Let Joe and Lisa serve you the way Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Hold your elements. And then once they come up and they give David and I our elements, I'll lead us and we'll take them together. For those of you who are at home watching, go to your kitchen right now. Grab a cracker or a piece of bread or something. Come on back. And then you can participate with us in this communion celebration time.